Hello, I'm Mercedes. And I'm Tash, and you're listening to episode 132 of Chat Disney. to another episode of the chat disney podcast and this week we are continuing with our disney attractions disney rides at walt disney world mini series so last week we talked about water rides the week before that we talked about dark rides and this week is all dedicated to coasters at walt disney world and if you know mercedes and i you know we love a disney coaster so i'm very excited to get into this but before we get into that let's have a quick look at what's been happening in the world of disney this week So heading over to Shanghai Disneyland for our first port of court this week. And Raya is making her Disney Parks debut at Shanghai Disneyland. Very, very exciting. Selfie spots with characters are currently in trial in Shanghai still after restrictions were put into place due to the pandemic. But we don't know what this meet and greet is going to entail, if it's going to be a socially distanced one or more up close and personal. And it is not yet known if Raya will be coming to any of the other Disney parks. So stay tuned. Oh, yes, I can absolutely see why they've got her in an Asian park, but hopefully we get to see her a little bit closer to home soon as well. So heading over to Walt Disney World for some news. First of all, we've had a little bit more information about what's going to happen to Finding Nemo the musical. So we found out that the musical would not be reopening at Disney's Animal Kingdom, much to the dismay of fans. However, Disney have confirmed that a brand new show will be coming in 2022 and it will feature the same beloved characters and some fan favorite songs including In the Big Blue World and my personal favorite Go With The Flow so you know I'm I'm not in the know but if I had to guess I'd say we're probably going to see Finding Dory the musical what do you think Tash? Yeah I mean I think that's a pretty good guess I can't really see where else they would go with it unless they fabricate some completely new stories I think Finding Dory is a good a good guess to go with Absolutely. And there's more new things coming to Walt Disney World. So heading over to Epcot, the Space 220 restaurant, or maybe it's 220. I don't know how you're meant to say that. It has just started to begin virtual departures for walk-in diners. So if you are in Walt Disney World in Epcot this week, you can go and experience the restaurant. If you'd like to make a reservation for a future date, they are taking reservations from the 20th of September for any dates from the 27th of September onwards. And if you're wondering what this restaurant is, the official line from Disney is that this out of the world, this world dining experience will take diners on a journey from earth to the stars, a simulated 220 miles above earth's surface for an immersive experience that will delight all the senses. This experience is unique to Epcot where the magic of human imagination and possibility come to life but unfortunately it's not all imagination and endless possibility at Epcot because there was a flood at Epcot last week and we are no stranger to some of the crazy weather that you get in Orlando but this flood looked pretty crazy basically what happened was there was torrential rain and all of the guests at Epcot were trying to flee and because they were all on the exit path together the path flooded and there are videos of this scene if you so wish to check it out and final bit of Walt Disney World news for you all this week there is quite a lot but this one is really exciting and that is that dessert parties and dining packages 
are returning to Walt Disney World. So from October the 1st, which are, of course, the 50th anniversary celebrations, which Tash and I are going to be talking about lots and lots next week, they are going to have two new fireworks shows, one at Magic Kingdom and one at Epcot. And to celebrate this, these new options are returning. So dessert parties at Magic Kingdom, dining packages at Epcot. We are getting some more normality at Walt Disney World. That is super, super exciting. And I'm so pleased to see that the world is getting some sort of normalcy back in place, especially with the Disney parks. And it's not just Walt Disney World that's getting all the news this week. Disneyland has also cropped up and Roger Rabbit's cartoon spin has reopened after refurbishment. But Jessica Rabbit is missing. Where has she gone? Disney have announced that this change is reflective of some more changes that are coming to the attraction and that Jessica will soon have a leading role. Very exciting to see what that involves. Yeah, and I'm glad they're not just leaving these old attractions to fester and that they're getting updates. I think that is nothing but good. And final bit of news for you all this week, heading into the world of Marvel. We've got a new trailer that's been released for Hawkeye. So Hawkeye is the latest Disney Plus series that's about Marvel characters. It's obviously starring Hawkeye from the Avengers and it will be coming onto our screens this Christmas. And final bit of news for you all, there is a rumor circulating that Disney are going to debut their latest Marvel movie, Eternals. This is the one that's got Richard Madden, Kit Harrington, Angelina Jolie. Very, very exciting. So there's a rumor that it's going to be debuting this year, as we know, but at cinemas only. And apparently this will set the tone for the rest of 2021. So Eternals could be the first Disney movie to not have premiere access this year. And as I say, because the world is getting back to normality, that could be Disney's sort of plan for movies going forward, which Tash, I'm sure you're thrilled about. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, I don't even care that it's a a Marvel movie. I'm just so relieved that we're getting rid of, well, not getting rid of, but that we are going back to the cinema. And Disney have realised the importance of this medium. So, yeah, this is music to my ears. And that pretty much concludes everything that has been happening in the world of Disney this week. We're now going to move on to the main part of the episode, talking all about Walt Disney World's coasters. So coasters, I think it's fair to say, are probably my favourite category genre of, of ride when it comes to rides at any any theme park. Um, but taken with a pinch of salt, you know, I'm not a fan of every single coaster in the world. I don't like ones particularly anymore with big drops. And I do feel that as I do get older, I know I'm still young, that my my threshold for coasters is is changing I used to always laugh at my mum when I was younger when she said she felt sick after coasters and now if I do too many I I can see that which is a a crying shame but yeah I do still love them and Mercedes I think it's fair to say that they're probably your favorite ride as well oh god yeah I love a coaster funnily enough it's actually my mum's exactly the same as yours and she actually said that it was after she had children that she couldn't go on coasters anymore so if I ever have children one day I hope that that doesn't happen but we shall see and so I think when we're talking about coasters and especially as we're talking about Walt Disney World coasters it's kind of important to acknowledge the fact that 
posters at Walt Disney World aren't that great. So Walt Disney World is, of course, in the middle of Orlando, which is like the theme park capital of the world. You've got SeaWorld, you've got Universal, you've got Universal Island of Adventures, you've got Busch Gardens, you've got all of these competitors. And I do think that some of those other parks are home to bigger and better coasters. So where I think Disney coasters shine is the theming, the pre-show, the narrative and that sort of thing. So, yeah, I love a good coaster. Take me to Alton Towers, take me to Thought Park, and I'll do all the big, scary new ones. Disney coasters, to me, aren't in that same genre. And we're going to go through each of them in today's episode, and we'll talk about kind of how thrilling they are. But lots of the coasters on today's list are family-friendly as well. Yeah, I, I would completely agree with that. I think you've hit the nail on the head there, that they're they're good in their own way and it's to do with the theming and the execution of them rather than the thrill. I mean, there are certainly some coasters that I do get a thrill from, um, not necessarily ones that are at Walt Disney World yet, but yeah, a lot of them are, are more kind of giggly fun rides, I would say. Absolutely. So shall we start in the most obvious place, which is, of course, at Disney's Magic Kingdom. So Magic Kingdom Park is, of course, the most kind of family friendly, shall we say. It's certainly the gentlest. When I was a little girl, I loved the dark attractions, the dark rides in in Fantasyland that we spoke about a couple of weeks ago. But Magic Kingdom is actually home to several coasters. And I think the most iconic of these is, of course, the classic Space Mountain. Now, I actually love Space Mountain in Disneyland Paris. I'm not a fan of Space Mountain in Walt Disney World. It's a very old attraction. It's single file, which I don't particularly enjoy. I don't like the feeling of of, of kind of being alone. It's just quite rickety and I do feel it needs a facelift. Yeah, I would completely agree with that. I love Space Mountain as an attraction. It is probably one of my favourite Disney attractions. However, this is definitely not my favourite version of Space Mountain. The Disneyland Paris one, I think, is beyond better um so yeah it does fall down a little bit for me here but I still love it it's probably still one of my favorite rides at Walt Disney World yeah me too and I guess one of the things that I I really like about Walt Disney World is you have got those three distinct mountains right you've got Space Mountain which is arguably the most famous coaster in all of the Disney parks and then you've got Splash Mountain and we spoke about that extensively last week and then to make up this sort of holy trio you've also got Big Thunder Mountain and I kind of forget that Big Thunder Mountain is a coaster because Runaway Trains to me almost need their own genre like Big Thunder Mountain was much more accessible to me when I was younger I would go on Big Thunder Mountain but I maybe was a little bit too afraid to go on Space Mountain so I like that you've got that kind of contrast between the two of them in the Magic Kingdom yeah I would agree with that I think Big Thunder Mountain is a little bit more family friendly than Space Mountain and to me Big Thunder Mountain is just a laugh a minute ride. I just find that ride so much fun. It's not scary. And again, this version is certainly not my favorite version of Big Thunder Mountain, but it's a great ride. It's a classic attraction and 
yeah, it's one for for all the family. It was the first, one of the first coasters I think I went on, obviously at Disneyland, not Walt Disney World. Um, and I certainly didn't go on Space Mountain that first time. So it just sums up what we're saying about it being more of a family-friendly, fun ride. Yeah, it's definitely more accessible. And Magic Kingdom... I think is home to some of the most accessible coasters for when you are that age, maybe you're kind of nine or 10 and you've grown out of dark rides and teacups, but you're not quite ready to go on the really, really intimidating coasters. And it's interesting because when we were in Shanghai Disneyland many moons ago, I remember that they had the Seven Dwarfs Mine Train there in place of Big Thunder Mountain, But interestingly, at Walt Disney World in the Magic Kingdom, you actually get both. So it really is perfect for that middle age where a runaway train feels thrilling, but you're not quite ready for a coaster. Yeah, see, I I just don't understand why they have got both because they are so similar to me. But the runaway mine train just has the added thing of the Snow White IP in it. For me, it's a complete waste of of what they could have made more of a unique attraction or something more distinctive to Walt Disney World I don't understand why it's there I didn't go on the Walt Disney World one but as far as I'm aware it's very similar to the one in Shanghai and I love the one in Shanghai because they didn't have a big Thunder Mountain it's a great fun family ride but I just don't see that there is a place for both of those rides in that park Yeah, it is a little bit confused. I guess it is a, you know, it's Big Thunder Mountain 2.0 because the carriage, the the ride mechanism is slightly different. So they rock from side to side, the vehicles, whereas you don't have that side to side motion on Big Thunder Mountain. But I completely agree. Like it just, it's crazy that they, that they have two like runaway trains, but you know, it's Walt Disney World. It's the biggest and it's the best. Of course, they're going to have two runaway trains in the same park. It's just, you know, it's that kind of place, isn't it? The bigger, the better. And again, when we think about the competitive landscape and all of these other theme parks that they have in Orlando, I guess they need to, you know, be keeping on their toes and the more coasters, the better. And the runaway mine train is an interesting one because that was a Walt Disney World exclusive. You could only go on that in Walt Disney World. And then it's now in Shanghai. And the reverse has happened with Shanghai's unique attraction, which is, of course, the Tron Light Cycle Power Run. I think that's the official name for it, but people just call it, you know, the Tron Ride. And that was the answer to Space Mountain, if you will, in Tomorrowland, Discoveryland, depending on where you are in the world. And that, yeah, there's no Space Mountain in Shanghai. They have Tron. And now we're getting Tron in Walt Disney World as well. So you're going to have Space Mountain and you're going to have Tron. I'm super excited. It's actually been pushed back. It was meant to open this year, but it's been delayed until summer 2022. I mean, the fans are going to go crazy for this one. Yeah, definitely. And I'm really pleased to see that ride is going to another park. But there's a weird part of me that feels like... I don't know if it's because I feel quite protective over Shanghai Disneyland and a lot of people that have never even been there slate it. So I kind of hope that when Walt Disney World gets Tron, people don't completely neglect the fact that it was in Shanghai first. I really hope that doesn't happen. I really hope that people kind of remember that that is where that ride came from. Well, we know that they won't because we've seen it this last week with Ratatouille. How many YouTube videos have you had pop up this week that say, first look at Ratatouille, Remy's Adventure? And I'm like, well, it's not a first look because I went on that ride like four years ago. So unfortunately, 
you know, when things aren't in the American parks and then the American parks get them, it is like it's brand new. And that's fine. We can just be there like, I've already been on this attraction. So take that. Yeah, I, I like your attitude to it more than more than mine. It just annoys me and irks me irrationally. <laughs> Very much so. So anyway, that's kind of like the most obvious coasters that spring to mind when we think about Magic Kingdom. But there is another one that I often forget, and it's had a couple of different names, and it is, of course, the Barnstormer. So this is the Goofy attraction that we find in Storybook Circus, so what used to be Mickey's Toontown. And it used to be the Barnstormer. I think it's called something now like the Great Goofini or something, because it's like Goofy's like a circus clown kind of Houdini-type character and for anyone that's been to Disney's California Adventure I kind of think of it in the same vein as something like Goofy Sky School although that's actually slightly more entertaining because you're in a circular device a bit like um Primeval World in Animal Kingdom which we'll come to talk about in a bit but yeah I think the Barnstormer definitely has a place in Magic Kingdom it's not an attraction that I would go on out of choice it's very much for young children yeah I I didn't go on it I have been on Goofy Sky School and again that that's another ride that for me is is a last minute although it's been many years since I've been on that attraction but yeah from what I know about Goofy Sky Sky Goofy Sky School slash the great Goofy whatever we want to call it is that yeah it's very much like your starting coaster to go on for for kids isn't it it's a sort of ride that I would have been on at the age of eight and thought that I was really cool because I've been on a roller coaster. Yeah, definitely. For those kids that maybe aren't quite ready for something like Big Thunder Mountain, this is a perfect kind of introductory coaster. So we're going to leave Magic Kingdom there. They're pretty much all of the coasters that we have in the Magic Kingdom. And then if we go to the next park in the sort of chronology we have Hollywood Studios and Hollywood Studios is home to I think the most famous and certainly the most thrilling big coaster that we find in a Disney park and it is of course the rock and roller coaster now I don't know if I've ever spoken about this on the podcast before but Tash you know this all too well I have a weird irrational problem when I go on launch coasters like to the point where I scream and I'm like honestly get me off I'm having a heart attack and like call staff over to be like no seriously I'm having a heart attack the anxiety and the tension of not knowing like when you're going to be launched just gets to me and I did have an instant years ago where I had like heart palpitations on a launch coaster so ever since then I've just been terrified to go on them which is kind of understandable but I've been on lots of them in my time and I always come off it just feeling like why did I do that because I do love coasters but I get myself in such a tears before the launch that it's kind of not worth it. Yeah, you you also photograph very well on launch coasters better than anyone I've ever known. (laughs) I think it's just like a mix of the shock and the sheer terror. But yeah, there has definitely been, I can think of at least two occasions where Mercedes and I have been at various theme parks. I'm thinking Thorpe Park and Orton Towers, for those of you based in the UK, where... Mercedes has screamed for her life to get off before the coaster is even moving 
and has basically been forced to to ride it because she's already strapped in, which is actually quite bad. I think it's terrible. Like the time at Autumn Towers when I was like actually crying and I said to the member of staff, like, no, seriously, I need to get off. I meant it. I really meant it. And they didn't let I was like, no, no, get her off. Yeah. Yeah. It's like your thing with heights. Like I, mine is is that launch. It's it's the apprehension. I don't like not knowing. And I know that they'll do like a countdown, like in the rock and roller coaster. You have Aerosmith screaming three, two, one. But I just, I can't deal with it. But I did go on rock and roller coaster when I went to Disneyland Paris with Grumpy. I think it had already closed when we went in 2020 because obviously they're rebranding it as a Marvel attraction, which. I don't know how you feel about this, Tash. I know you're not a big Marvel fan, but Aerosmith, it it needed an update. Oh, 100%, yeah. I love the rock and roller coaster. It's one of my favourite rides. Again, it's just a really fun, but it does, that is one of the more thrilling coasters. That is a proper coaster, I would say. But yeah, I think, I think the Aerosmith is, I mean, Aerosmith to me, it reminds me of Armageddon just because of that one song. And that's pretty much it. But like, I think for people that are the generation below us, they have even less of a connection to Aerosmith. It's so random. Like, I know Aerosmith were big in America, but were they ever that big to warrant having a whole attraction made after them? It's such a weird choice. Yeah, well, I always thought that, like, I mean, yeah, Aerosmith have got, like, you know, Walk This Way and Do Things Back a Later. Like, I can think of a few Aerosmith songs, but I always thought that there was like some sort of weird, like, I don't know, like, did Aerosmith have some sort of contract with Disney? Because you mentioned Armageddon. And obviously at Walt Disney Studios in Paris, you had the Armageddon attraction next to the rock and roller coaster. It's just like the whole Tyler family. You've got Liv Tyler, you've got Steve Tyler. Like, I always felt like maybe someone like Bob Tyler was like, the vice president of Disney parks or something, because it was weird to me that there was that synergy. Yeah, I do know what you mean. It feels, if it's very, very random. And it has, you know, I can understand maybe it had a time and a place. I don't know when that attraction was made, but I can understand maybe it had a time and a place at one point, but it seems like it's very much overstayed its welcome in terms of that theme. Oh, definitely. And it would be so easy as well. You know, it doesn't need to be a huge Marvel reboot like like BTS, right? BTS are the largest boy band in the world. They could have the same narrative. Oh, we're BTS. We're late for our concert. I'm sure there'll be fans kicking off like, oh, pop band or whatever. Or a rock band. I don't know any rock bands that are big right now. But, you know, when One Direction was huge, you could be going along like, you don't know your beauty. They could they could frequently change it. It would be great. Yeah. Like, do you remember when I'm really going off topic here in our Walt Disney World episode? But do you remember when McFly sponsored Nemesis at Alton Towers? Oh yeah. I completely forgot about that. Yeah. So they put a member of McFly's face on each of the chairs and they played McFly instead of that like like that kind of menacing nemesis music it was like bad colors in her hair (laughs) yeah I completely forgot that that was that was ever a thing but yeah yeah it goes to show that you could easily rebrand this but I feel like because rock and roller coaster has been aerosmith for so long 
I imagine that Steve, Tyler and the gang would probably not be too impressed if, you know, One Direction suddenly cropped up on it. Yeah, I well, this is it. And apparently Steve Tyler still rides it, I've heard. So, you know, I think they're going to keep it as Rock and Roller Coaster in Walt Disney Studios. As I say, the version in Paris is getting a Marvel facelift, but it doesn't look like that's going to happen in Orlando anytime soon. Yeah, I feel like it's the one, well, not the one ride, but I feel like I really need a behind the attraction on this. I just want to know why it was the choice of Aerosmith. <laughs> and why it still is. Yeah, I feel like behind the attraction, they've chosen, with the exception of Hall of Presidents, they've chosen fan favourites, right? And it's like, no, I really want to understand like why you made Roger Rabbit's cartoon spin. I really want to understand what led you to create the Barnstormer. Like uh, they're the they're the conversations I want to be privy to. Yeah, I I completely completely agree with this. Like the, uh, the unknowns. Yeah, and and speaking of this, let's move on to Animal Kingdom with you know one of the most confused areas of a Disney park. I think in the world and we do of course have dino land usa which is home to primeval world now i really like primeval world it's a good old sort of classic fun fair coaster it's the kind of thing i expect to find on brighton pier and to use your phraseology tash it's a real giggly attraction it's like goofy sky school in disney's california adventure it's a bit like spinball wizard for anyone that's been to alton towers i think there's a ride actually on brighton pier called like crazy mouse it's essentially those ride vehicles that are kind of a semicircle and i mean spinball wizard the sort of pool table or arcade sort of ping pong tabley thing i don't know what they're called pinball maybe um that's a fantastic theme I think for this ride because you do feel like one of those balls in an arcade game that's just kind of flitting all over the sides sort of bumping into one side and being thrown back into the other direction they're such good family fun rides and it's a shame that this one is in such a a terrible area but it's it's a good ride yeah I didn't go on this I've got a feeling it might have been closed I think a lot of the rides and attractions in that area were closed when we were there because it was it was February, so I guess it was out of season. But yeah, prior, and I also avoided that area for for the majority of the time anyway. Um, but yeah, I, I, the sort of type of ride we're talking about here, Pinball Wizard, is that what it's called? Spinball Wizard, wherever it is at Alton Towers, is probably one of my favourite rides of all time because it's just so funny. Yeah, I really, really enjoy those attractions. And then there is another coaster at Animal Kingdom that is one probably my favourite attraction at Animal Kingdom, actually, and that is, of course, Expedition Everest. And for me, this is really the more thrilling version of Big Thunder Mountain. I feel like once you're kind of done with Big Thunder Mountain and maybe you feel like you've outgrown it, then this is the one to go on next. Yeah, oh, Expedition Everest was such a treat for me because obviously it is completely unique to Walt Disney World and I'd never been on it before and we all know that I have a very soft spot for um the Matterhorn in Disneyland and although it's it's very different and it's upgraded and it's a lot more comfortable than the Matterhorn it still gives me Matterhorn vibes but yeah I didn't know what to expect from Exhibition Everest when I went on so that bit where you get to the track and it just ends and then you like 
stay there for ages and you're like what the hell happens now and then you just start going backwards yeah I absolutely love that ride yeah it's so good isn't it that shock like I did know that that was going to happen when I went on it but yeah I remember my dad and I queuing for that for absolutely hours my mum and sister didn't want to go while my sister was too young and oh it was well worth the wait I remember we I think we queued for like two hours and we were like oh is this worth it? But oh my goodness, it definitely, definitely was. And yeah, I'd love to go on that ride right now. I think it's really underrated actually as an attraction. It is. And it is thrilling as well. Cause that bit where you come out, where you're out of the mountain and it's the bit, you know, where you like stand and you can see people on it. That drop is so steep. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And the Yeti is, is scary as well. Yeah. It's a better Yeti than uh, the Matterhorn. Sorry, Matterhorn. <laughs> Yeah, that's not hard to be fair. That Yeti needs needs a facelift. So we've kind of gone a little bit out of sync now. I, I moved over to Animal Kingdom when I should have gone to Epcot. In fact, I probably should have actually done Epcot before Hollywood Studios. But there we are. We're going we're going rogue. So one thing that I did just want to share that I thought you might quite find quite entertaining, Tash was that when I was looking online for Walt Disney World coasters, you know, I just wanted to make sure I didn't miss anything from today's discussion. And I found that they list the water slide at Typhoon Lagoon, Crush and Gusher, that we spoke about last week, as a coaster. Now, I don't know why this is, because you are sitting in a rubber ring, but I did talk about it last week. I said how, you know, it doesn't, it's not a slide in the sense of it going down. It actually has sort of mechanisms within it so that you go uphill and things like that, and it has drops. But yeah, it's actually considered a coaster. That's interesting. I would never... See, for me, I would say a coaster has to have tracks, so I wouldn't class that. But then I can see what you mean with the movement, with going up. That is very coasterish. So, yeah, that's a real interesting one. Yeah, and I wonder what the, like, actual definition of a coaster is in terms to qualify as one, because I remember when Crush and Gusher opened at Typhoon Lagoon, and, you know, when you, like, stay in a Disney hotel and they have that channel in Paris, it's that woman, Sophie, like, five things to do with Disneyland Paris. I was such a good impression of her. I'm sorry. I feel like she's in the room. Um, But, yeah, there's a Walt Disney World one. (laughs) And Crush and Gusher just opened. And they were like, I remember, they were like, the world's first water slide coaster. Like, that was how the marketing was selling this slide. Okay, yeah. I mean... Yeah, I can kind of, I can't, I don't think you can strictly call it a coaster. A, yeah, a unique water coaster of sorts, maybe. Perhaps. So shall we conclude by talking about the final park on Walt Disney World property, which is, of course, Epcot. And Epcot kind of doesn't have any coasters at the moment. We are getting Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind, which is a brand new coaster to that park. You will not find this attraction anywhere else in the world. No one has been on it. So if you are the first to go on it, yes, you can say I'm the first one to go on this because it is not anywhere else. And this is coming summer 2022. So there's a lot happening in the way of coasters at Walt Disney World next year. You've got Tron, you've got this coming as well. We don't know too much about Cosmic Rewind, but I'm really, really optimistic. We need another good coaster, I feel, at Walt Disney World. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that is, you know, one thing you said in the introduction was about how uh, well, Disney parks in general have a real severe lack of coasters. And I think that, yeah, this is very, very timely and very, very welcome. Yeah, I agree. And then I don't know if I, I've thought maybe Test Track is a 
coaster of sorts, but it's kind of not. Yeah, see, again, I wouldn't class that as a coaster. I don't know what I'd class that as, though. No, I don't either. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't class it as a coaster, but then I don't know what else they would put it as. Yeah. Well, if you don't class it as a coaster, then there are no coasters at Epcot. True, yeah. There are not. Yeah, I feel like maybe we need another another subcategory for something like Test Track. Yeah, well, we've already discussed through doing this kind of mini-series, we always planned for it to be three episodes. We were going to do dark rides, water attractions, and posters. And we felt that that captured everything. But we've actually realized that there are lots of other attractions we haven't spoken about in this mini-series. So we will be returning to the topic of Walt Disney World's various attractions in a few weeks. But, of course, before we do that, we are going to be talking all about the 50th anniversary next week, possibly even into the following week as well. Um, I think we're both just so excited for some normality and you know I just can't wait to see everybody's pictures from the 50th me too like even though we're not going we're not going to be there I'm very excited to just see the celebrations and see you know the posts on social media and yeah I, I think it is I think it's again we keep saying things like you know with character dining opening back up and character meet and greets that oh it's all a step in the right direction but this really feels like a milestone I mean 50 years is a huge achievement anyway but then to be able to have a massive celebration like this for the first time since the pandemic began I really do think is a sign that things are on the up hugely hugely and yeah as you say it's all kind of culminating together for this day isn't it for the first of October we've got rides that are you know being refurbished that are reopening for the 50th we've got capacities being increased we've got dessert parties returning we've got brand new shows it's like it's all coming together for this day and I just, I think I'm really feeling hopeful for the future. There was a period a few months ago where I felt like, are we ever going to get out of this pandemic? Are we ever going to step foot in a Disney park again? But now that we're starting to see British people in Disneyland Paris once again as well, it's just so encouraging. Oh, yeah, 100%. It really is. And yeah, I'm very excited for next week. I can't wait to talk about the celebrations that are happening and everything else that has been going on at Walt Disney World and I'm sure our listeners are the same so that pretty much concludes the main bit of the episode for today but do get in touch let us know what your favorite coasters are let us know what you are excited about for Walt Disney World's 50th anniversary you can reach us as always on Instagram at chat Disney or you can send us a tweet our Twitter is at chat Disney UK we're now going to move into a brand new segment always let your conscience be your guide and always let your conscience be your guide. So Mercedes has some rather exciting news, let's say. And before she goes into this news, we thought what a great way to make a segment out of it. Because while there's exciting news, there's some question marks up in the air that Mercedes needs some help with. So we thought that we would create a new segment whereby Mercedes can talk about her torn feelings over these two choices she has to make. And myself and you, the listeners, can, can listen and we can give her our feedback and let her know what we think in order to help her make a decision. So Mercedes, this will all be a lot clearer in a minute when Mercedes shares her good news. So Mercedes, what are you doing next year? Well, there's a big caveat here that it's not booked yet. That is kind of, you know, the most important 
bit, I guess, of all of this. But there's a reason which will all become clear in a second. So I don't know how, I don't know what witchcraft or sorcery has enabled this to happen, but Grumpy has agreed to a 2022 Walt Disney World holiday. And I could not be just more shocked, I think, by this. So I do just want to say this is not our honeymoon. He would never agree to a Walt Disney World honeymoon. We are going to have a honeymoon at the beginning part of 2022. And then the Walt Disney World trip is coming sort of end of September, beginning of October, just in time for food and wine, Halloween, all that good stuff. So you might think, okay, first world problems. Why do you need our help? I need you, the listener, and you, Tash, to help guide me on which hotel I should book. Now, there was a huge question as to whether we should stay off or on site in the first place, because a lot of the Disney hotel kind of benefits are going. So things like the Magical Express that picks you up from the airport, gone, no longer a thing in 2022. Also, the dining plan, gone not a thing in 2022 although we will be able to get a dining credit which would be very very helpful but we have made the decision that because of convenience and that kind of thing we would like to stay on property it's just easier to stay on property and because of our budget we are looking at moderate resorts there are four moderate resorts at Walt Disney World. You've got the Port Orleans which is split into two so you've got French Quarter and you've got Riverside. I actually think the Port Orleans is probably the best choice, but I've stayed there before and I would like to experience something new. So that leaves me with the final two, which are Caribbean Beach and Coronado Springs. And I cannot choose. I actually can't choose. I have no idea which one to pick. And I need your help, Tash. So I know more, I mean, I've not stayed it either, but I've heard more about Caribbean Beach than I have. What's the other one? Coronado Springs. Coronado Springs. There we go. So you couldn't even remember the name. Um, so yeah, my instinct would be Caribbean Beach because I've seen a lot of photos of it on social media and stuff, and it looks amazing. And I've heard very positive reviews. What are your pros and cons of both sites? So Caribbean Beach is a hotel that's vast. It's massive. And because of that, it has seven bus stops. So this is my biggest con for Caribbean Beach. So when the bus comes to pick you up at French Quarter, where I stayed before, there's just one bus stop. So it comes, you go on it, you go to the park. Here, you've got to go all the way around seven stops, which can be slow. The benefit of Caribbean Beach is the fact that the Skyliner goes there. So you've got a direct route into Epcot and also into Hollywood Studios from your hotel. I've never been on the Skyliner and there was every possibility that I would be terrified of the Skyliner. So I don't know if that's a pro or not, but... When it comes to Caribbean Beach, they're kind of the transportation options. At Coronado Springs, there's only the bus. There is no other method of transportation, but there are only four bus stops there. So it's a much smaller, it's half the size of Caribbean Beach, which is expansive. So yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with transport, which is a big part of this. Yeah, I mean, I can see both. For me, with Caribbean Beach, I feel like just with the Skyliner being there, you know, you would have to use it for the sake of ease. And I feel like I really wouldn't want to. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel like maybe that would push me towards the other hotel because then I wouldn't be feel like I had to use the Skyliner for sake of ease. Do you know what I mean? 
Yeah, I mean, I might be fine on the Skyliner. I've done ski trips and I've had to go up ski lifts like above mountains where you're literally just strapped in by a single bar and I've been absolutely fine. So I might be fine on the Skyliner. I just, I don't know. And then when you think about the theming of the hotels, Caribbean Beach is obviously Caribbean themed and it's much more popular with families. Whereas Coronado Springs is not as decorative. A lot of people say it's quite bland, but I think generally it's a nicer hotel. So a lot of people say that although it's a moderate, it has deluxe um, amenities and that's because of the fact that it's a corporate conference hotel so they have a lot of conferences at Coronado Springs there's a lot less families and so it's not as Disney and this seems like a really bad thing and for lots of people online they're like this is terrible but for somebody like my husband grumpy I feel like that might be a really good thing yeah see for me I think that would push me towards Caribbean beach more but thinking about grumpy I think he would be more suited to Coronado Springs and also I feel like it I don't know I feel like the vibe would be slightly different there like it would probably be a bit more relaxed at breakfast and as you're walking around like a bit more relaxed in the pool you're not going to have loads of kids like jumping around left right and center so yeah probably a bit more sophisticated and, and grown up in that respect I would feel Okay, so that's kind of where my head's at. But I thought I would add to the discussion the voices of our lovely listeners as well and help you really make your decision. So I did put this on Twitter earlier today on the Chat Disney Twitter account. And at the moment, we've got a poll. It's actually had 50 votes already. I only posted it earlier today. And at the moment, the French Quarter is winning as the best Disney resort, but I kind of knew that. That's why I stayed there before. Best moderate resort, I should say. And then at the moment, we've got Port Orleans Riverside and Coronado Springs tying in third place and Caribbean Beach is in second place. So it's beating Coronado Springs. And then there is some comments as well, just for for some context. So... I've got a comment here from Lucy, who is one of the lovely hosts of 37 Disney Street. She says Caribbean Beach Resort because of the Skyliner. Plus, you can also use the facilities at Riviera Resort because it's just next door. As childless adults, you can enjoy the signature dining there and the bars that are at a deluxe resort without the price tag. So that's cool. I don't know very much about the Riviera Resort. If it was like Fort Wilderness or Polynesia and I'd be like yes let's do that I don't know as much about the Riviera but good to know that it's very very close and then they've also added Coronado Springs um, as the runner-up for the same reasons but the location and transport's not as good so again just kind of reiterating that Coronado Springs is much more luxurious it's got a really nice restaurant there's a rooftop bar it kind of feels more like a deluxe than the others that I've mentioned then we've got Drew and Mary who run the Disney adulting account on Twitter and they've said definitely Caribbean Beach because it's got access to the Skyliner and you can use the bars and the restaurants at the Riviera Resort. There's not many bus stops. Uh, sorry, there are many bus stops throughout Caribbean Beach and each country has its own bus stop, not just one central bus stop. 
Um, so we would have to get off at the first stop and then walk to our rooms. Then we've also got salute to the ears. They've said, no kids, treat yourself. Stay at Coronado Springs and the Grand Destino Tower. Transportation is not good from there, but the tower and the views and the amenities are fantastic. So it sounds like transport's not great at Coronado Springs, but it's a better hotel. That's what I'm getting. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. Yeah. Cool. And then just to add to the the mix, we've also got some comments from Ryan from the Theme Park Trader, who is our resident Walt Disney World expert. And he basically said, Coronado Springs is amazing. I stayed there a couple of times. It's really good for adults, really chill. Caribbean Beach is great, but yeah, it's massive and you can come into problems if you're at one of the crappy bus stops. Um, He also said Coronado Springs is a great resort and it would be my preference out of the two. I have stayed at French Quarter and I love it, but I do think you should try somewhere new because I was saying like, French Quarter, I love it. Um, He said that it is great at Caribbean Beach and the resort buses there are a real pain. The Skyliner is incredible though. Um, And then, yeah, he's basically said Coronado Springs as well. Interesting. So it seems like a very mixed bag. Yeah, hence the uh, enigma, the problem. Mm, I see. What does Grumpy think? He's leaning towards Coronado Springs because he's like, the less Disney theming, the better. But at the same time, he's like, I don't want to be stuck. I don't want to be at a hotel. And it's like not easy. Because the whole point of staying at Disney property is it's really easy to get to the parks. And it will be. I mean, I know, and maybe you can talk to this a little bit as well, because you stayed in Lake Buena Vista but at a non-Disney hotel, but you did have Disney resort buses. But correct me if I'm wrong, they only go to the transportation centre? Yeah, so that was that was a pain. Um, and it was that whole thing again of, and we were on limited time, so I think even if, even if we'd stayed on site, we probably wouldn't have done this anyway. But next time we've said we would go for a full two weeks, we would stay on site because I love that thing where like you go in the park for the morning, you go back to your hotel, you have a swim, you go back in in the evening when you're refreshed. And that is just something that is a huge effort when you stay off site. I mean, we we used the bus to get in every day, but then we paid for Ubers back and it was like $6 for, for an Uber, like it was nothing. But yeah, I do think that if you're staying on site, then obviously part of the benefit of that is ease of getting to the parks so I definitely think that would be a huge factor to to consider for me yeah okay so given everything that I've just said if it were you which one would you pick I would probably go for Caribbean Beach just because I like the theming more and you do have a skyliner and I probably would push myself to go on it and also the fact that you can use the facilities from the Riviera as well I would go for Caribbean Beach interesting interesting I honestly don't know I kind of my head is kind of telling me Caribbean Beach but my heart is telling me Coronado Springs which is weird I don't know why yeah I mean you've also got the fact that you are you know you are with Grumpy so you've got to take him into consideration as well but for me as well from staying on site I want it to have that Disney magic I want it to be as Disney as possible and I feel like you would get that more from Caribbean um Caribbean Beach whatever it's called Caribbean yeah Caribbean Beach um yeah Mm. I mean this is a wonderful problem to have I love that we're discussing this even but please do it doesn't seem that we came to a conclusion in this uh first edition of let your conscious be your guide I have one question is there much of a price difference 
Oh yeah, that's quite important actually. So Coronado Springs at the moment for the dates that we're looking at. Okay, that's there. And then Caribbean Beach. Where is Caribbean Beach? Bear with me. Can you do like some um, lift music or something for our lovely listeners? Beautiful. I'm enjoying this. It sounds like The Sims. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, I'm having a having some technical difficulties. Caribbean Beach is actually not coming up. Oh, here it is. Here it is. Okay, it is a £65 difference. So no, oh, okay. there's no yeah, difference. Yeah, nothing. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's very similar. Problem. That doesn't make it. Yeah, if it was going to be a couple of hundred, then maybe that would swing it more for me. But yeah, 65 is... is 65 not. pounds is not enough to sway me either way. So no. yeah. Agreed, agreed. So yeah, well, it's a nice dilemma to have, as you said. And go away, give it some thought, take on board what our listeners have said and report back in due course and let us know what decision you make. I will do. But we are not done with Walt Disney World. Oh, no. Next week is the 50th anniversary. 1st of October. Can you believe it's October already? Where did this year go? Terrifying. So please do join us next week. And we're really excited. We're going to be talking all about Walt Disney World's 50th anniversary, all of the celebrations that are happening over there. We cannot wait. Absolutely not. We will see you then. See you then. Bye. Thank you. Goodbye now. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you. Goodbye.